It's uh, barely just us here. KFGO Studio. Happy New Year. Thanks for keeping it locked in at 790 AM, 941 or 104.7 FM at KFGO. I'm Tyler Axe. This is your host. Eric Johnson is our producer, and Afternoons Live is going to be with you live all the way up to 5 o'clock. I wouldn't say the 5 o'clock punch up, but I know hardly any of you are working today. I'm not at all jealous, not at all envious. I'm glad to be with you, though, here on a Monday afternoon and that uh, you had a good celebration. I know many of you, and I want to talk about this a little bit later on, in the metro area, you overindulged in the fireworks. There are a lot of bangs going on. Now, here's the other thing. The uh, um, the difference between the 4th of July and New Year's Eve is about how dark it gets earlier, which means you weren't waiting until 10 o'clock to start shooting your fireworks. It was 530 or six building up to <laughs> that midnight. is that's a long time so to be shooting fire on the fourth of july when you hear the seven o'clock in the evening fireworks it always feels weird like uh-huh. what are you doing wasting these fireworks yeah when it's still light out you didn't have to worry about it you didn't no. have to wait until the that sun to set uh and there were some big booms i think one of my neighbors was just doing uh you know the the cherry bombs <laughs> it was just a cherry just bomb. Just noise for the sake every, of noise. Every now and then, like, you know, it's time to go fire one off, which I enjoy fireworks. I'm not complaining, but boy, there was a long time and there's a lot being blown up to ring in the new year and say goodbye to 2022, which we're going to do a little bit throughout the day here and set the stage for what's going to be uh, anticipated going forward uh, here in the new year. And I uh, got a number of things. We're going to be talking about the weekend that was in sports. Uh, both with college football, but certainly the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, people out there claiming that the NFL's rigged because Aaron Rodgers likely going to be back in the playoffs. Tom Brady, well, he is back in the playoffs uh, because they came back and dominated the Carolina Panthers. That's coming up a little bit later on. But to start off the show today, I want to bring back a friend of mine. You know him. He's a political science instructor at Bismarck State College, the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, and a frequent guest here on Afternoons Live. His name is Jason Matthews, and he's joining us right now. Jason, Happy New Year's, man. Happy New Year. So did you celebrate? Were you one of the people blowing up fireworks out in Bismarck? No, no. I, in fact, we missed Festivus a few days ago, I, and I'd like to air some grievances <laughs> oh, about do. these fireworks. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I was one of these guys that I was in bed before midnight on New Year's Eve, oh, yeah, you're and old, you're old, fireworks were, fireworks were just going, they were just nuts. And laying in bed, uh, listening to it go off. And, and in Bismarck, we couldn't see the fireworks. All we could do is just hear them. And they were going on steady till about 1 o'clock in the morning. Good. Good for your neighbors. You know what? They were just enthusiastic yeah. to get the new year rolling and saying, get, to hell with 2022. Get that out of the way. We're celebrating. And here you are, an old man of curmudgeon, just trying to get his beauty sleep angry at the boobs the, going off. The irony of ironies is that New Year's Eve is usually the one night out of the year where I'm in bed before midnight because I, I tend to be a night owl. <laughs> oh, well, I guess uh, to each of their own. We can celebrate yep. and uh, have the relief of another year gone because uh, it was a year. 2022 was one of those. Uh, <laughs> lot, a lot happened, man. And that's why I'm glad you're to able say to say the least. Uh, join me to, to break it down. You know, I, I keep thinking, 
you know, going forward, we're, we're two days into uh, 2023. The uh, There's lawmakers driving your way right now listening to us because they're gaveling in, I think, tomorrow. Uh, we're mm-hmm. trying to figure out whether or not Kevin McCarthy is even going to be the Speaker of the House tomorrow in Congress. Uh, there's a lot going forward, but you got to set the stage at you know, what to expect by kind of going back here. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a chance to do this before we rang in the new year. But I'm curious. I mean, you and I have had a lot of discussions, and we've recapped a lot of it uh, periodically here. But 2022, uh, you know, you think about the midterms, you think about the war in mm-hmm. Ukraine. There's just a lot that the, the Supreme Court – I mean, what's the top items that, that stood out to you last year? Well, clearly, clearly, um, I think that the story of 2022, to me, as somebody who studies politics, teaches politics, is the resiliency of democracy not just in America, but around the world. Uh, you know, we've been in this uh, democratic recession, really, for the last better part of, of a decade now. And 2022 is that one bright spot in what has been otherwise a pretty dark seven to eight years. You know, you take a look at Putin in, in overplaying his hand in Ukraine, the Ukrainians' heroic fight against against the Russian onslaught. They're really reminding the world of of the importance of democracy and freedom you look at xi in china uh he had to get rid of the COVID zero um policies it's been a it's been a difficult year for him the iranian democratic demonstrations uh the mullahs put that down but um they're having to do this now every so many years and it's only a matter of time before the iranians rise up and and overthrow the regime uh brazil's elections where they got rid of their own uh wannabe autocrat and then across the country on election day here in America, you take a look and the election deniers, a lot of prominent election deniers lost across the country. And I think that's the overall theme here is that we're not out of the woods yet, mm-hmm. but but 2022 showed that democracy is, I think, far more resilient than many of us gave it credit for. So optimistic, more, more optimistic now that, uh, you know, the, the midterms and as you just point, painted the whole global picture here, I, I would say if we were having this conversation one year ago, uh, the mood's a little different right now, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's good. No, there, there's yeah. there's no question. I mean, you take yeah. a look at the. I think that the 2022 midterms um, were a, a real uh, reaffirmation of American democracy, not because of the outcome of the election so much as because the those that were the most prominent election deniers lost, number one. Number two, we had 50% voter turnout. Number three, uh, we had heavy turnout from younger Americans who, who came out galvanized. The engagement level was very high. Um, and and you know it, it resulted in a in a split verdict, if you will. Um, tomorrow the Republicans take over the House of Representatives, but the, it's going to be absolute chaos because the Republicans uh, have a very weak majority. Uh, the Democrats actually gained a seat in in the Senate. And then when you take a look at you know another theme in the resiliency of democracy, I think was the production, the productivity of the last Congress. And and Joe Biden did not have a good first year as president, but he hit his groove in the second year. Now, you know, there's a there's a lot there's a, another half to his term left. Uh, and so we'll see what the next months bring with a Republican House. But this was one of the most productive Congresses going back to the 1960s. And there's some significant legislation that was passed. Um, and it was bipartisan legislation, a lot of it too. The infrastructure bill being most notable. Uh, so there there were some significant wins notched for democracy here in the United States last year. 
Jason Matthews is our guest. If you want to join the conversation, you're more than welcome to. You can uh, text us at 35270. Also, all day today, the phone lines are yours. Call us at 237-5948. Um, you mentioned about uh, the, the Republicans getting control of the Congress narrowly. Uh, you think Kevin McCarthy is, in fact, uh, going to be Speaker of the House? I, and I ask that, and I'll give you some background here. Kelly Armstrong, our congressman, joins us uh, every month. And I'd ask mm-hmm. him because he, in fact, nominated Kevin McCarthy uh, to be uh, the leader and the speaker. And I'd asked him on this very show, do you think, in fact, this will be the case? And uh, he was hopeful, but he was not certain that people were going to fall in line on the Republican side. I'm curious. You, you've been observing. What are your thoughts? Does he get it? We're we're less than 24 hours away from when the House votes, and, and we don't know. Uh, that in and of itself, I think, tells us all we need to know about where Kevin McCarthy is right now. And, and I, I, um, I would not bet on it. Uh, and the question is, who's the alternative? You can't beat somebody with nobody. And I think that, uh, you know, what I would be looking for is seeing who the, who they pull out as an alternative. And what I find the person I'd be watching would be a Republican majority, uh, or soon to be majority leader. If McCarthy becomes speaker, uh, Steve Scalise of Louisiana, I tend to think, uh, you know, I might be all wrong in 24 hours time, but I think Scalise could very well be the consensus candidate that emerges um, from uh, we'll find out in 24 hours. You know, it's interesting to see uh, McCarthy maneuver and someone say throw his credibility uh, out the window over the last few years trying because he was for certain he was one of the young guns. Remember, they had a whole mm-hmm. book about uh, Paul Ryan. They had Kevin McCarthy and uh I forget the other guy that's not even in Congress anymore. Eric Cantor. There, Eric, Eric Cantor. Cantor. There you go. I knew you'd get that. Uh, so, you know, here's what's left. You, you've got McCarthy. He's he sold out so many positions to get here, and now he, he's inches away, but that goal line might be a little too far for him to get. Even if he becomes speaker, uh-huh. all right, even if he gets elected speaker, he's going to be a short-termer. He has made so many compromises in order to get the speakership uh, he has basically ceded control of 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 you know ceded control over to his caucus, and and that's that's the danger. Uh, he's going to be a very weak speaker. And you take a look at the fate of the last two Republican speakers, whether that was John Boehner or Paul Ryan, they did not have easy goes of it, right. uh, to to say the to say the least. So I I think that that his position is is we know it's extremely weak. I wouldn't bet on him becoming speaker tomorrow. Well, well, I may be wrong. Well, you, you, well that's uh, we're, we're just in the, the line of talking right now. Trust me, I have to come mm-hmm. back into the studio routinely after making uh, a statement and say, well, I had that one wrong and eat crow. And I'll call you tomorrow if, in fact, you got to do that. You got call more- me tomorrow. I'll eat crow with you. <laughs> you got more time for me, Jason? I got to take a quick break. I do, here. always. Hey, yeah, Jason Matthews, a, a friend of ours and, uh, you know, at a political science instructor at Bismarck State College, Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. It is Monday afternoon. We are live with you on Afternoons Live. I'm Tyler Axidus. Don't go anywhere. I think just for a little while, we can we can go with a little aloneness. 
Well, we're glad that you're not alone, that you're taking us with you, wherever you got us locked in. Likely not in the office or the shop, probably in your car, maybe in the confines of your own house, having a nice cold beverage, or perhaps maybe a nice coffee, getting you powered through a your afternoons here. My guest right now, Jason Matthews, political science instructor at Bismarck State College, a friend of the show. We used to have a podcast together. That's kind of what we're doing right now. Of what in the world happened the last year? What do we expect going forward? Jason, thanks for keeping it locked in here. Um, I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, you think about, <laughs> well, because there's just so much. Let's. I think the biggest news item globally uh, was the, the war in Ukraine. I think uh, Russia, mm-hmm. Russia invading Ukraine had the biggest global impact. So you talk about the democracy side of it. You think about the economy, trade, uh, you know, the, the lives lost. I mean, in in the global world here of uh, current events, I mean, this is going to change the course for a variety of things. Give me your thoughts on mm-hmm. it in the three minutes before you go to KFGO News. Well, he united Putin, united the NATO alliance. Yeah. Uh, NATO now has Sweden. The biggest, this, that's the biggest, uh, it's huge. The, the biggest mistake, I mean, clearly of his life, but I mean, he, he, what he was trying to do was weaken NATO and instead yes. all he did was bolster it, make it the strongest it's probably ever been. Yes. And, and Germany is now going to remilitarize. I mean, uh-huh. strengthen their military, increase the military spending. And this is where I think that, you know, president Biden, uh, I'm not here as an advocate, but but looking at it from a historical parallel, I think that he had had he's had a year in, in 2022, not unlike that of Harry Truman in in the 1940s, in those first years of the Cold War, where he held the Western alliance together and actually brought it together and made it even stronger. And that was American leadership. Uh, and you take a look at how he had to manage all that with a France who tends to get a little wishy-washy, uh, wanting wanting to negotiate, <laughs> and and the the Western alliance held, especially the alliance with NATO between the United States and Great Britain, considering that Britain went through three prime ministers this year, uh, and that 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 in and of itself is a testament, I think, to the huge miscalculation of of Vladimir Putin. I you know I've had political and sci- uh, science professors uh, Thomas Ambrosio NDSU uh, mm-hmm. world expert on on this sort of thing and we were thinking about off ramps for Russia and uh, you know he's kind of changed his tune now uh, as far as what he predicts that you know I mean at first there wasn't an off ramp this is going to keep going it seems as though Putin's getting more and more boxed in a corner doesn't have as many allies even domestically there where do you see this going in 2023. I tend to agree, uh, and I think that the that what Putin needs right now is he needs fresh troops. That's why he's going to make the play for Bel- Belarus to get into the conflict, try to widen the conflict there. But uh, that is, I think, in and of itself, only going to fuel even more instability in Russia and even in in Belarus. And the the Ukrainians are digging in. Uh, they they are not going to um, go to the negotiating table anytime soon. Uh, and and so I I think, I think, I, I'll make this prediction. I think there's a chance here of an outright Ukrainian win in in 2023. Uh, wow. Jason, I don't know what that looks like, right. but I think there's a real chance of that. Well, and we thought it was going to be days before Ukraine fell after Russia invaded. Now look at us uh, all these months later, and there's a chance we're talking about Ukraine actually winning outright. Jason Matthews is going to stick around. I'm going to get you caught up with Paul Jenkins in that KFGO News Center. If you got a question, you got a comment, you just want to join the conversation, we're here for you live, local on KFGO. Feel beautiful.
about whether or not I'm going to beat Abby Miller in the KFGO Fantasy Football Championship. Not looking so good. Not looking good at all. The question is whether Tyler is the Vikings versus the Indianapolis Colts or the Vikings versus the Green Bay <laughs> yeah. Packers. Am I going to have a stellar second week in this matchup? When she's got Christian McCaffrey. The, the, it's like watching my ex go on and have and it's a fulfilled double life. X for you because he's yeah. not on your team anymore and, and he's, he's not helping you win. Destroying <laughs> me. Jason Matthews, you didn't make it. To, did you even play fantasy football? No, no, no. Okay. Well, no. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't finish watching the Vikings game yesterday either. <laughs> oh, you weren't convincing yourself that, Hey, we got another comeback in us of historic proportions. Yeah, five minutes left in the game. I I, I turned the channel. Yeah, that was it. I I forced us to watch it in its entirety. I it see, was now, brutal. Here, here's brutal. here's the selfish Tyler Axis that you've all now come to know is the fact that since we had lost earlier in the day, we we lost to Tampa Bay. Carolina did. How and, many receiving yards did Mike Evans have? Uh, more than our entire team, I think. <laughs> but the fact that I was down and I was out and I was emotionally angry. I wanted every Vikings fan to be the exact same state of mind that I was. So I wanted Green Bay to win that game just so I wasn't alone pouting. I don't know I don't, if you picked up on this, Jason, when you were doing the podcast with Tyler, but he is both the worst winner and the worst <laughs> loser that I know. Oh, God, yes. God, yes. Hey. I've known that about him for years. Hey, easy. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know many Vikings fans who are devastated. I think Vikings fans have just come oh, to accept I this. No, here, here's what was going on with the Vikings fans that I was sitting with. Like, oh, well, this is going to put us into the three seed. And I'd really rather be the three seed in the playoffs because then, you know, we're going to ha- we're going to host like the seven. It was like all the the rationalization. Which, yeah, they were talking like this is this loss is somehow good for us. Losing this and, and dropping, not going up to the first seed, which could have been a possibility. No, being the third seed's really good for us in Minnesota. That's the rationale <laughs> I was hearing all yesterday afternoon. I do, a- I do have to say this about the Vikings, though. I do have to say this, and that is that um, the the turnaround that Kevin O'Connell has achieved with the team is really remarkable in his first year yeah. as coach. And of course, they've got to work on their defense, but. Um, but be that as it may, I think the Vikings made the very wise pick in in O'Connell um, far far more than picking it had they gone with Harbaugh. God help us if they would have gone with Jim Harbaugh, well, and, who is now being approached by Denver. I heard yeah, that this morning. Denver's he, looking at him. He announced that he would leave Michigan if there was a good uh, opportunity. And speaking of, you know, you got KOC in Minnesota, and Minnesota could have easily, easily gone with Nathaniel uh, um, Hackett. Uh, that was yes. with Denver. Then look at you know how how poorly that worked out. You just you never know. But I, you I never don't. Know. I think there's an argument to be made that uh, KOC is uh, coach of the year because you had the foundation. Absolutely. You had the foundation there uh, with with Mike Zimmer, and whatever he was doing versus what uh, O'Connell's doing, it, it's turned around the program as far as every close game last year you were losing and most close games this year. In fact, all the close games you're winning, it's those blowouts that seem to kind of nip at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Something else about O'Connell, too, uh, that's interesting is, I don't know, Zimmer must have been, uh, I know we're on the air, so I'll, I'll, Please. I'll just say he must have been a jerk. Yeah. Let's put it yeah, that this way. This isn't because, our podcast days. This no, is radio. Because, we're regulated here. Because everybody talks about the fact that O'Connell knows everybody on a first-name basis. 
at, at with with the Vikings. And we're not just talking about players and coaches. We're talking about equipment managers, janitors, cooks, everybody. He just knows everybody. And and it just sounds like Zimmer was a guy that just went into the office and and had no people skills at all. You can see that uh, just by watching him on the sidelines or at mm-hmm. any press conference after a game. Mm-hmm. Win or lose. Yes. Uh, there was something, and I will get back into uh, some of the topics at hand here because I want to talk about some predictions going forward. We've got to talk about a raid. We've got to talk about taxes. We've got to talk about a committee as well. Uh, but uh, the Carolina interim coach right now, uh, you know, kind of has that same personal uh, vibe that you're talking about with the KOC mm-hmm. here. And he had a comment he was quoted yesterday saying, look, I'll, I want to be their friends, but I don't want to be their buddy. And I think that like that encompasses – the way the approach that KOC is like, I'll be friends with you guys. I want to have a good time with you, but at the end of the day, I'm still your boss, still your coach. Yes, and it seems mm-hmm. to work. Uh, three five two seven zero. That is the text club here on Afternoons Live. Vikings finally showed their true colors. Comes in uh, by one of our listeners. That's uh, at least we're saying that the NFL's rigged, right? Because I saw a lot of that flying around online yesterday. Because well, the NFL just wants Aaron Rodgers to be in the playoffs. The NFL wants Tom Brady to be in the playoffs. I assure you the people on the other team, that's the team I root for, wasn't just giving the game to Tom Brady when they were trying to get into the playoffs themselves to host one. Uh, but-, but that's the worst That's the worst thing about the Vikings losing yesterday is that they lost to Aaron Rodgers, who, who I just love to hate. I just love to hate that man. If he invited uh, you anyway. to go take some ayahuasca in some southern country, you're saying you wouldn't go? Absolutely not. I'd, I'd rather be stuck in an island with the Kardashians, to be honest about. <laughs> We'd well, be able to keep up with them real easy that way. There, there you go. <laughs> Don't have to spend your time watching the E Network. Three five two seven zero. Um, yeah. Before we get to the January sixth uh, committee and what, if any, impact they're going to have, there was a tax returns of six years that were released from mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the House committee uh, just on Friday, I believe, uh, and mm-hmm. some of those. Uh, I mean, the thing that I think rocked the midterms, aside from uh, the democracy side, is unquestionably uh, the Supreme Court, the Roe versus yeah. Wade. And now here you have all yeah. these legislative bodies coming together right here in uh, North Dakota, Bismarck, where you're at, uh, St. Paul's getting together. Uh, you have new faces uh, all over. I mean, this has completely changed the landscape of politics, right? This decision? Oh, it was huge. I don't I, – honestly, I think that that but for – the decision by the Supreme Court, the Republicans would have outright control of the Congress right now. And I think that the huge political ramifications go beyond just throwing this over into the state legislatures and where the voters are going to decide it. It's also exposed the Supreme Court. Uh, Right now, 58% of Americans, that's according to Gallup, disapprove of the court's job performance. And it's bigger than than their decision on abortion. It's, It's because now with this six to three conservative majority, uh, it it appears as though when you see that a case has been selected to go to the court, you know what the eventual outcome is going to be nowadays. And it it is now seen in a extremely partisan and ideological light. And the scrutiny that is the, that the court's under now is only going to intensify because now we're seeing, you know, the court's been operating forever without a code of ethics. You take a look at the involvement of Ginny Thomas with the January 6th uh, matter. 
You take a look at comments from Justice Alito. You take a look at um, the the interest groups that are are connecting with justices behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is this is important to understand, and it's dangerous for democracy in this respect. We're a nation that prides itself on the rule of law. The Supreme Court operates entirely on the legitimacy that is accorded to it by the American people. And once that respect and legitimacy is gone, then it's inevitable that it heads for a reckoning. And the court is not accountable. And that was by design. You know, the president, uh, disapproval numbers for president and Congress, I think, you know, it's par for the course, mm-hmm. but they're ultimately accountable to the voters. Who is the Supreme Court accountable to? And the Supreme Court uh, has some big cases coming up this year. They are going to overturn um, uh, affirmative action in college admissions. Um, and we'll be on the air when that happens because we can talk about that some more. But there are other cases, and you take a look at also the common practice of these number of unsigned midnight opinions. I use midnight opinions in air quotes. Uh, there's the Supreme Court's heading for a reckoning, not in 2023, but it is certainly going to be heading for a reckoning within the next uh, few years. Well, so a reckoning, I mean, what, are they, they're going to expand oh, the court? Gonna be, or, there's going to be, I think it's inevitable, it's inevitable that there's going to be a push to expand the court that's going to gain, gain um, uh, support. There's also going to be, I think it's inevitable too, that Congress is going to um, try to push the court for a code of ethics. Uh, in in this is the this is the nightmare scenario for Chief Justice Roberts, where the Supreme Court becomes this political football, uh, and and you know up until now it's always been one side that you know depending on the outcome of the case. Now I think it's it's inevitable that that the Democrats and Republicans are going to be attacking the courts moving forward here in in future presidential and in congressional campaigns and somebody's got to try to pull it back here and and what's striking is is that with a 6 to 3 conservative majority on the court the room for consensus is gone uh you know Breyer Kagan uh back when she was on the court O'Connor uh, Justice Souter those were those were justices that tried to forge consensus uh, now you've got you know Thomas and Alito you know this is a somebody once said this is a, a YOLO court you only live once and and they're going for all the marbles <laughs> well and going for all the marbles I mean the dog catching the the old car with uh, Roe versus Wade the overturn here yeah I mean, yeah. it's the Republican candidates and the party has successfully for decades won elections based primarily on that as one of their pillars. I don't have that mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, I, I mean, go ahead. I do want I do want to say one thing though that one positive outcome of the out of the Dobbs decision in, in Roe versus Wade is that Congress got its act together and actually took action to codify uh, same-sex marriage and right. interracial marriage into law. And and you look back on it, you take a look at parliamentary democracies around the world, that's the that's the traditional path that you go down, is that you, you codify it. So abortion rights can be codified into law. There are a lot of things that the political branches can do uh, in in codifying these these matters uh, rather than letting the courts take the lead on it, and I think that that by and large, to be honest about it, is is a healthy outcome from Dobbs. One thing uh, that um, you know the, the the election this was certainly a big issue, and it was going to go against inflation and crime. You know, as far as some of the uh, the arguments that Republicans were making, it di- it didn't hold up uh, at least on election night. Uh, but I, here's a message for you. I'll get your uh, y- your take, uh, Tyler. 
Weak Biden-caused inflation like this country has not seen in 50 years. And his open borders policy is a disaster with a tremendous amount of illegal drugs coming into our country. He and Harris should be impeached by Friday. So there, this person's got a, uh, uh, a prediction going into the new year. But I'm just curious, the inflation, you know, this open border situation that people are, are pointing to. And I, I it, for Democrats to not take the the border issue a little bit more serious, I mean, they're, they're walking into their own mess here. By not doing something about it, they're giving a tacit approval. And, and that's the political danger. This is a huge issue. The Biden administration is committing, in my opinion, political malpractice in not addressing the issue at the southern border. Uh, but but in terms of inflation, your listeners wrong. Uh, and let's just let's just come right out with it. Um, and that is that you have had major inflationary periods after any major disruption to the global economy. Take a look at World War Two when the economy is shifting back into peace. Take a look at the COVID pandemic. This was to be expected, and it's not just in the United States, it is around the world where we have had, in, where we have inflation right now around the world. We pump money into the economy in order to prop it up and sustain it during the crisis. There's a lot of money out there floating in the economy. There's supply and demand. All the inflationary forces are there. Uh, it, 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 inflation, inflation would have been there whether Joe Biden was president or not. Well, and economics if, 101. I'm not an economist, but that's economics 101. And uh, let's just be real. If that was the the argument that was being made last uh, last year, it didn't work. People didn't believe it. They, they, at least it wasn't top of their concerns going into uh, their their ballot location. Jason, get, give me some more time. I got to get a weather update from Eric Johnson. We'll get uh, the latest. I know it's south of us, and many of us are going to be heading south this week. They have a winter storm event going on, so we'll get the latest on that. And then we'll come back and wrap up the first hour of Afternoons Live with my guest, Jason Matthews. I'm Tyler Axtis. Don't go anywhere. And we are live here on KFGO. Thanks for keeping us with you wherever you got us locked in. I'm Tyler Axis, your host. Uh, Jason Matthews is our guest. We're just kind of setting the stage for 2023. Uh, and to do that, we're kind of uh, talking about some of where we left off in uh, 2022. Uh, as far as, uh, I don't even know if I should start on this or wait till after the three o'clock hour, but it, th- we're already talking about 2024. As far as electoral politics, you got the. Uh, the presidential election, will Joe Biden run again? Will he not? I think that this last midterm election gave him a better argument to say, yeah, I'm in for four more, where had it gone the way that everyone was predicting, all the polls were showing, albeit those polls weren't right, that uh, there was going to be a talk. There was going to be a talk in the White House saying, all right, uh, come out, make your statement that you're not running again, but you're going to use these two years to do A, B, and C. I mean, the mm-hmm. results and to have as big of a success, given that he is in control of the White House, uh, that Democrats had control of Congress. I mean, you think he's running again going forward? I think there's every intention on his part that he he's going to run, wants to run. Uh, I, I think that he will hold off uh, as long as he has to to make the announcement um, for, for various reasons, not the least of which is to see what, what – um, 
you know, how the congressional hearings go and, and the like. Um, but yeah, he has, a, he has a much stronger hand to play politically than he did a year ago at this time. And then also you just have to understand, you know, people who, who want to be president aren't wired like you and me. I mean, this is a guy who has wanted to be president for the last 50 years. He got it when he was 78 years old. Uh, it People who get elected president aren't the type that sit there and say, you know what? It's been a good run, you know. It was just nice to be here. You know, no, this is a guy that that as long as his health holds up, he's going to run again. Is Kamala Harris on that same ticket? I find it difficult to see a scenario where they would push her off. Okay. Um, but but I think that's also something else that has to be in the political calculus for Biden is that she is not a natural successor for Biden. If Biden were not to run, and I think there's there's still a chance he might not, but if he were not to run, then it becomes a Democratic Party free for all. Uh, and Harris Harris is just one of many who will be seeking the nomination. Here's what I uh, what I've been noticing over the last two weeks. You've had such a debacle with Southwest Airlines. Uh, you know, people were stranded over the holidays. Their bags mm-hmm. didn't get them. They they were stranded uh, just for so long, and it was a failure on Southwest. Uh, but ultimately, mm-hmm. I think uh, some federal oversight needs to change because uh, th- that's what's regulating them. Uh, to see the mm-hmm. full court press from say Fox News going after Pete Buttigieg saying that this is somehow his fault, shows where I, uh, their crystal ball is pointing as far as who's that that next rising Democrat yeah. that might, in fact, uh, yeah. step in if Joe Biden decides he's not running again. Have you been noticing that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, Biden has in his cabinet two potential stars or likely political stars. He has Buttigieg at transportation, but he also has uh, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who um, is the former governor of Rhode Island and um, is very likely to be the next Treasury Secretary if in the new year, this year, Janet Yellen decides to to step down. She's she's next in line, most likely. Uh, so those are two names that I would, uh, two faces and names I would I'd keep watching because in the event that Biden doesn't run again, uh, they will they will be seen as contenders. And Buttigieg, clearly, I mean, he has an infrastructure in place from his campaign in 2020. Uh, and he is the most articulate spokesperson for the Democratic Party. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody better. Uh, whether you agree with him or not, uh, he is not afraid to go on with Fox News yeah, and right. and engage with them. Yeah, I think that's something that the Democrats have been uh, pretty bad at uh, as far – I mean, just politics in general, they're awful at it. You know, it's uh, here's here's my ten page plan uh, to to do this, that, and the other thing instead of just boilerplating it down, which the Republicans are so damn good at. And you know what? No one has really been better than Donald Trump. So when we come back, so now we we talked about uh, Joe Biden, the shortfalls. There's your back, segue. There's a segue for you. We're gonna get you caught up with CBS News. We'll get Paul Jurgens back on these airwaves. Get to the local headlines. I want predictions because you had a January sixth committee. You had a raid at Mar-a-Lago. Tax returns route does. A running candidate for the Republican Party get indicted in 2023? We'll ask Jason Matthews when we come back here on KFGO.
I left you all with the cliffhanger of a question before CBS and KFGO News, and that was after talking about Joe Biden and what we might see going forward in a divided Congress, whether or not he's going to run for re-election, we had said prediction time for the leading Republican candidate who has announced that he is uh, trying to become president again, and that's Donald Trump. Uh, whether or not the, the January 6th committee had any impact, uh, you had a raid on Mar-a-Lago for uh, top-secret documents that he took. And uh, just on Friday, the uh, Democratic committee in the House released his tax returns for the for six years. I pose that question to you, and you can answer me at 35270. Andresa Matthews, he's my guest. I'm Tyler Axe, your host. This is Afternoons Live on KFGO. Jason Matthews, political science instructor, Bismarck State College. Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, friend of the show. Will Donald Trump face indictment in 2023? He'll face multiple indictments. Oh? Uh, I think he'll be indicted. (laughs) By the way, I think we set a record um, since we started, since I started coming on the show. We went a full hour without talking about Trump the last segment. So last hour. So, uh, but I uh, say this, I say this every week because if I never had to say the name Donald Trump again, I would be one of the most happy talk show hosts out there, but he is news. So you have to, you have to talk. He is the leading candidate for the Republican nomination to become president again. You can't just close your eyes, cover your ears. And well, maybe as of right now, uh, maybe that DeSantis guy's got something to say, but uh, you know, it's I I, I wish I, I didn't have to, but we do because it's news. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here we are. So my prediction, yeah. my prediction is, is that Donald Trump will be indicted. He will be indicted uh, in Georgia um, for his actions in in um, interfering in the Georgia uh, electoral process back in 2020. So he'll face that indictment. He will be indicted for Mar-a-Lago. Uh, I think that that's pretty much a, a, a foregone conclusion. And now in the aftermath of the January 6th committee um, wrapping up its work, I think that there's a high probability that he'll be indicted, along with former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and a couple others um, for the events uh, leading up to January 6th. So he and then and then because of the tax returns, we, we need to talk about those. Um you know, I'm not a tax expert by any means. Um, I hate doing taxes. That's why I'm an accountant. Do it for me. Um, but but you talk to the, you look at the tax experts, independent tax experts. They say there's there's um, certainly evidence of of potential tax fraud there. So he opens himself up there uh, to criminal liability uh, in that area. So uh, this is not going to be a good year for Donald Trump. Let's just put it that way. That's my prediction, and I'm willing to take that one to the bank. Well, and the tax return thing that came out uh, last Friday, people are going after me about it, talking about Donald Trump yet again. Uh, you know, and again, I don't want it, but he got it. Uh, I had said, you know, they released that early in the morning, and by the time this show starts at 2 o'clock weekdays, they hadn't been the bombshell yet. I mean, it showed that, yeah, it's another example of how he lies about things, which, okay, I mean, how far does that go at this point? Everybody knows that uh, he lies frequently. But Mm -hmm. if there's no there there, it hasn't really gone out yet. So, I mean, is this going to be another one of those duds is kind of what I I had uh, ventured to guess, but uh, you're saying otherwise. I don't think it'll be a dud because tax law is complex. So I think that if the federal, if the feds want to look into it, and they they they, they certainly will, uh, they will find that that 
Trump used as, and he's not the only one, let's just be clear on this, uh, used uh, the complexity of the task code to his advantage. And, uh, and of course, you have to take a look also this last year in New York, where uh, the Trump organization was found uh, of having committed committed financial and tax fraud in a civil case. So uh, clearly, I think he's he's opened himself up there um, to criminal liability. Uh, the question is, where do you pick? Uh, and that that's and then what's the political ramifications of it? Is the leading candidate for the Republican nomination going to be somebody who is is an indicted individual? And and I would I made this argument was on the show back in November, shortly after he announced. My opinion, along with the opinion of many others, is that the only reason that he announced right now, as early as he did, was so that he, in the event that he is indicted, he can say he's being politically persecuted. Does that carry much weight anymore? Uh, has has the the worm turned, so to speak, of uh, just because I think you you even said it yourself. I said, look, he's the front runner. He said, well, is he really anymore? I, I mean, he, with, he, within the Republican Party, has has the luster of Donald Trump faded. He has his diehards. He has 35% of Americans that will go to the gates of hell for this guy. But I think Republicans are tiring of him, to be quite honest about it. And, and you know what, ultimately, I think we'll, you know, if, if we are to write the political obituary of Donald Trump in the not too distant future, uh, it will be said that his downfall very likely could have, would have been, or, or was, I should say, the midterm elections. Um, where the Republicans, he got involved in those primaries. He put his thumb on the scale, endorsed a bunch of candidates. They fell short, um, and some of them, you know, didn't even fall short. They 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 blew up spectacularly, and Republicans privately blame him. Uh, you know, they they stood with him through two impeachments. They stood right. with him through an insurrection, but. He cost him a midterm. He also cost him the presidency. Uh, he cost him a midterm in, in 2018. And so he is in a weak political state, and there's an alternative waiting in the wings for him, and that is Ron DeSantis. Now, I've said this before. I think DeSantis is, is a heavyweight contender. I just don't think he plays well over time. Uh, and I think that, that that remains to be seen uh, as to how he plays nationally. But with the Republican base... There's a lot of interest in DeSantis, and he's the alternative. Uh, you're right on the midterm being the, the biggest impact to his uh, political career right now just because he's talking about it on his truth social. Uh, oh, had, absolutely. He had a post yesterday that said, hey, I'm not the fault for 2022. It's all the Republicans that were weak on their messaging about abortion. So he's, he's spinning it still even now here in January. Uh, Jason, going forward, what I miss here, I, I mean, I, I know that there was uh, some historic passings that happened as well. We had mm -hmm. you on to talk about Gorbachev. We had you on to talk about Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the the Queen's passing had to have been one of those, the, the bigger of the two, if you had to choose, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll never, you'll never see another monarch who stays on the throne for 70 years. And, and, uh, this is the passing of a figure that goes back to the days of Churchill. It goes back to the days before World War II. I mean, those, she was, she was the last of, of that link to the past and, and King Charles, I'm not a monarchist, but King Charles, it's very clear. I mean, he's 75 years old. I mean, you know, he's, he's going to be, you know, um, just in between the bridge between his mother and, and his son. Um, but uh, the British monarchy is not going anywhere. That's, that's pretty clear. And I think that, 
from a historical standpoint, just, you know, this last year, some of the most indelible images were the pomp and the ceremony and the pageantry that we saw with the passing of the late majesty, her majesty. Final thing I have for you, unless you got more to add, and I know you got to get out of here quick and we took more of your time than what I asked for. And I'm great, grateful for that, but biggest craze of 2022 that you don't see going forward in 2023. What, what are we leaving behind uh and that uh, is not going to be brought with us this year. Craze, I I think Wordle is going to is here to stay. That 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 that's me. So I don't I don't think Cradle I don't think Wordle is going anywhere. Okay. Uh, but I do think I do think Twitter is going to implode. I'll come oh, out and say there, that. Okay, there it is. Twitter gone. I, it's uh, and good yeah. riddance. That's yeah, all I have to I say about that. Yeah, I'm fine with getting rid of Twitter as well at this point. Yeah, you know, st I'm still on the platform. I still follow I, some of uh, the journalists, which is pr primarily why I'm even yeah. on Twitter. But okay, I think that's a fair one. Wordle, have but a Wordle, once, Wordle is once. here to stay. Uh, what's that? You know, fake news. New York Times didn't they buy it? Is that what's going to give it life to bring it forward? You're one of those that plays every day and posts your score, aren't you? No, I don't post my score, oh, but okay. I have my group of group of of friends that we we share the score with uh, okay. one another. Because I, I I was curious because I've again I've never played, so that's the backdrop here. But people it's that fun. They'll, they'll put it out, then they want they'll show the world. Here's what my Wordle score was, and I having never played, I don't understand what it means. But it's a it's a not so humble brag. It seems like from a lot of people. I you know I think what, what's so funny with with Wordle is that the New York Times bought it, of course, and now you know it was supposedly the woke New York Times, and and what was the word that they used the other day, which was the word was manly, and and my group of friends that were texting about, whoa, never thought the New York Times would post this word, and then and then today it was skirt, and then another friend said. Boy, they're really throwing us all for a loop. Uh, and I guess I outed it for those of you that haven't played Wordle oh, yet. Yeah. You now know what today's word is. Boy, you're going to – of all the things that you could have done that upset people, that's probably the one for those that haven't played that one. you just spoiled it for them. Well, but you said earlier that nobody's listing because because it's a holiday today. So, so I maybe didn't by say chance that. Nobody's working. <laughs> There's people listening. I'm getting text messages in. We might invite you back after that cheap shot. Uh, might be six months. It okay, might be. I guess it might, be. Yeah, that, that's that's wishful <laughs> thinking. Jason, I'm gonna let you get back into your holiday. I appreciate your time, my friend. Hey, Anything, thank you, buddy. Any words of wisdom before I let you go? No, don't make resolutions. Just get a new mindset. How's that? Oh boy, <laughs> that's moving, charming of you, Jason. Always fun, man. We'll do it again soon. How right? Oprah of me, huh? Yeah, very, very much so. Jason Matthews, friend of the show, political science instructor, Bismarck State College, Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. Your time on the phone lines at 35270. We'll talk about the Vikings blowing a big time against the Packers. Plus, we had some FBS, uh, I guess, semifinal games that were just insane. That happened on Saturday. Going into the ball drop in New York. Could you imagine being in one of those East Coast households? You got you got them wanting to watch this this field goal attempt by Ohio State, you got somebody else in there saying, but the ball is dropping. It's New York. It's midnight. Can you imagine the fights that were happening verbally in some of those households? Yeah, uh, no. And that was what a heartbreaking way to lose for those kids on. And Ohio State's one of those teams where the fans make me dislike them more than the team yeah. does. The Ohio State. Oh, we got to text. Somebody's listening from Tampa, Florida. I assure you it's much uh, more pleasant down in Tampa, Florida than it is in Fargo, North Dakota.
Hit me back with what the temp is there. I'll, I'll let you know right now. Uh, it is, in fact, 15 degrees. Is it, that's what my phone. That's what it is. What it is at the KFGO Studios. This old Verizon phone and their uh, their temp updates are spot on. 15 degrees in Fargo. Tell me what it is in Tampa, Florida. When we come back on a live edition of Afternoon's Live, right here on KFGO. This is- 